I just wish I had your faith, honey. I'm just a doubter. I'm sorry, babe. I, I just, uh, I don't, I'm worried about how we're going to pay the bills. It's all right, honey. God has a right job for you. This is just a test. He's working on our faith and our trust. Just be patient. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get His help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. John from Flexmark Corporation. Yeah. Is this Mike Jeffries? This is he, uh-huh. Mike, are you ready to work? Absolutely, absolutely. How about tomorrow? Tomorrow? Meet me at 10 a.m. You bet. Uh, downtown at the office. I'll be there. We'll be looking for you. All right. You bet, thank you, bye-bye. <laughs> Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything.
If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 4, and we're going to start there today. The teenagers, if you want to grab a Bible, we got some up front here. I want you to read along with me. God is going to speak to us. We're talking about a tested faith. 1 Peter chapter number 4, and we're going to start reading in verses number 12 and 13. The subtitle of this particular message is The Ultimate Test. The Ultimate Test. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12, and it reads, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We magnify you for this word. Father, I remove myself out of the way that you might speak to the hearts of your people, Lord. Father God, I pray that you will bring us to a new level, a new revelation of understanding of who you are, God. As we are living in a time where we're being tested and we're being tried but we thank you, Father God, that you're in control of our lives. And so, Father, you're the captain of this ship. And so, Father God, let the people not see me. Blind their eyes to me and let them see the spirit of God who is present in this place to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read that particular verse, there's several things that jump out at me. And one of them is that trials are certainly going to come our way. There's no way around it. We spend a great deal of our time, the young people hear me well, because as you keep living, you're going to find this out. But we spend a great deal of our time trying to avoid trials. You know, we, we live our lives every day, and we are experiencing all kinds of difficulty and tribulations and, and all of these things. But one of the things that Jesus said is that in this world, you will have trouble. He did not say that you might. He did not say that somehow that if you live right, if you do everything that you're supposed to do, that somehow these trials are going to escape you. But yet many of us, we seem surprised when a trial comes. When it happens, you know, usually people say, God, why did this happen to me? I mean, God, I mean, I, I tithe, I, God, I, I go to church, I, I pray, and even though my neighbor don't treat me right, I treat them right, I don't, I don't bother nobody, I do everything that I'm supposed to do, and so we kind of develop this kind of mindset that somehow I'm blessed. So to be blessed means that I'm exempt. <laughs> to be blessed means that somehow that I'm exempt from trials. But Jesus said that in this world you will have it. He didn't say that you might just somehow get around it. He said you will have trouble. But we should not be surprised when the trial comes. But yet we find ourselves always surprised, don't we? In fact, some people get so surprised that they give up on God, that they quit. Their hearts get hard. You know, I've had people say to me over the years, Pastor, I, I tried that God thing and it don't work. 
I tried to do the right thing, and, it, you know, and this thing is just too hard for me. Because somewhere in their theology, somebody taught them that if you just serve God and do all the things you're supposed to do, that everything will be all right. The reality of it is, is everything will be all right. But it's going to be all right with some trials. It's going to be all right because one of the things we must understand is that trials are God's will for us. You've heard me say in this series of messages that you don't learn how to trust God when everything's going well. Anybody can do that. You know, anybody can trust God when there's plenty of food in the refrigerator, when there's, you know, plenty of money in the bank to pay your bills. But what about when, when it's not going your way? Mm-hmm. Can you bless God then? Can you praise God then? Because one of the things that we got to understand as Christians is, is that God uses trials and tribulations to conform us to the image of his son. What is God after? He's wanting to make us more like Christ. God is refining our character. He's teaching us patience. He's taking us to a whole nother level that if we don't go through the trial, we'll never get there. See, where you are now in the place that God has promised you, the spoken word of your life, in between where you are now and that promise, there are some obstacles, boundaries. There are all kinds of things that are in the way. And, you know, and that little obstacle that's right there in the center, you, you know, it, it, it got all kind of stuff in it. <laughs> all kind of booby traps, all kind of stuff that you got to go through if you're going to get to the next level in God. Because if you don't go through that stuff, you'll never reach your destiny. And how many people have come so close? Almost at the threshold of blessing, and they give up right at the end. What if the children of Israel, when they got to that Red Sea, you remember how they cried out to Moses? You know, they find themselves at the, at the, at the, at the entrance of the Red Sea. I mean, Pharaoh is on their backs. They don't know which way to go. They're crying out to God. And God, tells, and God tells Moses, he said, look, why are y'all crying out to me? Move forward. Keep going. If you don't know what else to do, you got to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Because they're part of what God do to make us and mold us and shape us. Trials. People mistreating you. People talking about you. Going through difficulty. Being laughed at. Being ridiculed. All of that is a part of what God uses to conform you. See, not everybody understands what God is bringing you through. And you know, what I've learned in life is not up to me to try to explain everything that God is doing in my life. Because what I do know is that this thing is just not, <laughs> this thing is not just on automatic. What I know is that God is the captain of this ship. And God is directing our lives. And so our destiny and our purpose is directly tied to the trials and the obstacles that God had to bring you through. Think about David, what he had to go through. He was running for his life for years before he assumed the kingdom. Think about Joseph, who was sold in Potiphar's house, his own family, his own brothers, threw him in a pit, left him for half dead. And yet God elevated him to vice president in all of Egypt. Think about, we talk about great men and women of the Bible. Think about Elijah, who was an anointed man of God, blessed of God, 
favored by God. Brother, when he spoke a word, it came to pass, performing all kind of miracles, but yet this man finds himself running from Jezebel. And he finds himself in the wilderness having to trust God, going through, going through a situation where everybody, well, where he finally gets to himself. He says, he says, Lord, the God said, what's wrong with you, Elijah? Elijah said, look, I, he said, look, everybody's against me. He said, I'm here by myself. <laughs> he said, I just want to die. <laughs> he said, I'm here by myself, and I just want, the brother was requesting for God to kill him. But he, he had just came off of a great miracle of destroying the prophets of Baal. But yet he finds himself in a place. But yet God says to him, get back up, Elijah. And if you read the end of the story of Elijah, Elijah was taken up into heaven by escort by God, by a whirlwind. God just took him up. But we think about Elijah, we think about Moses, who was a fugitive running for his life on the backside of a desert for 40 years before God came and got him. And God raised him up and used him mightily to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. We think about these people, but we don't think about what they had to go through to get what they got. Because, you see, it's the obstacles, it's the difficulties, it's the, it's the trials of life that, that God brings you into your destiny and your purpose. And so one of the things as Christians, we got to learn that it's all a part of it. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy. Didn't say it was going to be joyful. He says that's when you add it up, when you, how many of you like math? You know, when you add it up, when you count it, it should end up as joy. Count it all joy. Because God is doing something in your life. Which brings us to the story of Job. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Job, the first chapter. I had alluded to this last week. And Kenny, you remember this. I had alluded to this last week, and I said, you know, for many, many years, I didn't want to read the book of Job. Because somewhere in my theology, as I have alluded to, that, you know, I had just been taught that, man, that, you know, I just obey God, man, and I'm going to be blessed. I do all the right things. I'm not going to have to worry about it. But yet when I read the book of Job, I saw something totally different. <laughs> here is a man of God, Job. Let's, let's talk about Job here. The Bible, God himself declared Job a righteous man and blameless. Job was the kind of brother that you had nothing bad to say about Job. Job walked with God. Job lived his life in such a way that people knew that he was a mighty man of God. Job was blameless. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't take a look at Job's life and say, that brother's in sin. No, the Bible said Job shunned sin. When sin came Job's way, Job quickly avoided it. He got away from it as far as he possibly could. He had no, Listen, he wanted nothing to do with sin. Job, he shunned, he shunned sin. He was a righteous man. He, was, he prayed regularly. This brother was so anointed that he would get up and pray for his family every day. Job said, and, and look, not only pray, but he would offer sacrifices. He said, just in case my boys and my girls sin against God, I don't know of anything, but just in case, I'm going to intercede for him. So Job was a man who prayed and sought the face of God on a regular basis. Job had 10 kids, had a beautiful family, blessed. Seven boys and three girls. Family was blessed. Job was, the Bible says he was the greatest in all the East. In other words, Job was rich. 
and everybody knew it. But not only that, Job had a reputation of being a righteous man of God. I mean, that a good name is to, is to be chosen above riches. Mm. That's for free. A good name. Job had a good name. This man, by all accounts, his life was just the way that one would think, man, is that brother living like that? I mean, he is blessed. And, and let me hasten to say, there is something to be said for those who walk with God. There's a blessing when we really order our lives right with God. Young people, hear me well. I want you to look up this way. When you walk with God, when you decide that you're going to make a decision, that you're going to make him number one in your life, when you, when you live for him, when you turn your life over to him, when you serve him with all of your heart, there's a blessing. Job was a man who was blessed. Job, why was Job so blessed? Because Job walked with God. And God gave him everything. God gave him riches, family, reputation. Job had it all. One would think, wow, man, Job, man, that brother, he don't have nothing to worry about. He don't have to worry about any kind of trials. One would think that brother does what he's supposed to do. It's all good, right? Hmm, but let's take a look at the story. Let's look at uh, verse, chapter number one of Job. Start reading in verse, verse number six. Chapter one, verse number six. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Where was Satan? Among them. And Satan is always among the saints, isn't he? Trying to wreak havoc. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, watch this, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. He's all over the place. <laughs> then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household, and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Mm. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. Satan here was banking on what a lot of Christians are like today. That once you take something for them, once you, from them, once you turn up the heat just a little bit, Satan was banking on the fact that Job would just throw in the towel like everybody else and give up. He was banking on that fact. But one of the things that you understand about Satan is the Bible says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says to be sober of spirit, be on alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. And so Satan is always looking for a weak link. He's always looking. I mean, that's why we got to be on guard. 
Because Satan is always looking for an opportunity to undermine everything that God wants to do in your life. That's why I don't understand how can Christians, listen to me, I don't believe that you can be a successful believer unless you are one that is praying and seeking the face of God. Because there are demonic forces out there, Satan himself, who is trying to lure you. And one of the things that, we, that happen is the more you and I pray and the closer we get to God, God reveals to us the schemes of the enemy. I can't tell you how many times I prayed and God has spoken to me. My eyes were open because of time that I spent alone with God. See, Satan don't have to worry about people that's not really serving him. He don't have to worry about people like that because he already had them captive at his will. But boy, yeah. Once you decide you want to make a dent, and once you decide that you want to do something great for God, boy, Satan now, he's looking. And if you notice in verse number 10, Satan had already been trying to get at Job because he said to, he said to him, he said, uh, well, God, you know, God comes to him. God says, have you considered my servant Job? I mean, I know you'd be tempted. You was like me. I would say, God, why you got to bring me to the forefront? <laughs> why are you going to let Satan, you know, Job attack me? But God was saying, have you considered my servant, Job? Have you thought about Job, my my servant? And here you find a situation where Job, a righteous man of God, obeying God, loving God, and there is a conversation being held about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Satan had already considered. Because Satan said to God, Satan said, God, um, I, I've already checked him out because, you see, you got a hedge about him. <laughs> You've been protecting everything he got. I've been trying to get in there. But, 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 but you know, you, you, you got the boy guarded. See, that's something for following God. We pray that prayer, God, put a hedge of protection around me and my family. There's some truth to that. But isn't it interesting that Satan, Satan had already been there. He had already been, because why? Because he's on the prowl, right? He's always looking to divide. He's always looking to conquer. He's always looking to keep saints divided, keep stuff stirred up. And he looked for places where we're vulnerable. Just like a lion, you know, you like to look at National Geographic. Lions is my favorite beast. <laughs> I love a lion, man. You give me a good I just love lions because they're kingly and it's representative of our King Christ. But a lion, one of the things you know about a lion is when they want to attack their prey, you know, they look for the one that's lagging behind, <laughs> the one that looks weak and vulnerable. You know, the Christian that says, I don't need to come to church. I can just worship at home. The ones that, 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 that will not conform completely to the ways of God. Satan looks for them because it's a place of vulnerability where he can come and he can latch his claws in. See, he's looking for you just like he was looking for Job. And how I many know we need to be, we need to be watchful? But haven't you considered my servant Job? God was bragging on Job. It wasn't that Job had done anything wrong. It wasn't because Job had somehow violated the things of God, but it was because Job was a righteous man that he was brought to the forefront. It was because of Job's 
maturity. It was because of the fact of who Joe was. God said, look, God, how many know when God got it, when God brags on you, you're doing some stuff. When God said, look, God, I mean, God started talking. God said, how do you consider my servant Job? Ain't nobody like my brother. Ain't nobody like Job. Well, well God, if there's nobody like him, God, why you got to let him suffer? Mm. It's a real question, isn't it? That's what we have to battle with. But see, many people think sometimes that, well, you know, they look at suffering and pain and going through trials and tribulation. It's because perhaps I've done something wrong and God is angry at me. God is mad at me. And so we tend to look at suffering oftentimes as a sign that, that something is wrong. Uh, how many know that sometimes suffering can be because you're doing everything right? You don't always have to be doing nothing wrong. Job wasn't doing anything. The Bible had already declared that Job was a righteous man. That Job had his life together. But yet, Job had to go through this test. God tells Satan, Satan God says, Satan, do what you want to do with Job. Touch everything. You can touch his resource. Don't touch, don't touch his body yet. Don't mess with his body. But yet, this brother was anointed by God. You see, that's a deep kind of anointing, you see, because everybody wants the kind of anointing where it's all good and God just blessing me and mine and he just making my life a bed of roses. But, boy, it takes a mature saint. See, when God, listen to me, when God get ready to do his most profound work, when God gets ready to do something spectacular in the earth, who he looks for is those who are faithful. Who he looked for is those who, who are warriors in the kingdom, a strong soldier in the kingdom. And what God was saying about Job, is God was saying, I want you to consider my servant Job because Job ain't like the rest of them. Job will walk with me no matter what. You can't do anything to Job. And Job was turning his back on me. Job, I know my boy, that boy will walk with me. That boy loves me. That boy will walk with me alone. If nobody else will, Job will be right there. Consider my boy, Job. That's my boy. Amen. See, we look at Job's life and think, oh, God's mad. No, God's not mad. God is bragging. Perhaps maybe the trials that we're going through sometimes is not because we're doing anything wrong. It's because of God's boy. It's because we're doing everything right. And God is saying, I can trust my boy Job. I can trust him. I know Job would go through. Job would do it right. I can trust Job. Job will stay in the fire. And Job will come out of this thing stronger than what he was before. So Satan, do what you want to do to Job. But ain't nobody like this boy right here. I'm well. You see, let me give you a hint. Think about it. Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says, God said about Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But yet, the Bible says that it pleased God to bruise him and to hang him on that cross. God has given him a name which is above every name. Jesus, who was God's son, God's own beloved. How many know that nobody was closer to God than Jesus? But yet he hung Jesus on the cross and Jesus had to suffer. But was it because Jesus had done anything wrong? No, 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 no. It's because he had done everything right. <laughs> it's because he walked with God. God knew that with Jesus, that my boy, that he will bring about many sons and daughters into my kingdom. 
I know that he will hang up on that cross. He will die for the sins of the people. Jesus suffered, but yet he was greatly beloved by God. So suffering is not always because you're doing something wrong. Maybe you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, huh? Maybe you're doing just what God wants you to do, and that's why. Because he's saying he's going to come after those who walk on the guy. See, you become a target. See, one of the realities of, it, of this thing is that you got to understand that sometimes the closer you get to God, the more you become a target. The more you want to make a difference for God. See, this is not preached often. Because everybody wants to hear the feel-good stuff. Feels good. God's blessing me. And God does bless. Job was blessed, right? Yeah, he blessed. There ain't no question about that. But, but you know what? But when you decide that you want to make a dent in the devil's kingdom, let me tell you something. You become a target. You can't get on the front lines and say that you want to go save souls. You want to go win people and snatch people out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light and expect that you're not going to have a difficult time doing it. Are you with me? Oh, the, the enemy is going to make that hard because what? Souls of people are at stake. People's eternal destiny are at stake. The devil knows that. So he's not going to sit idly by and let you go out there talking about receive Jesus Christ. You need to get saved. You need to come to church. Get to know Jesus. He'll change your life. Say no want that to happen. He's going to fight that. And so what did he try to do? He tried to discourage you as much as he possibly can. Or he tried to get you bogged down with the cares of this life so much so that the last thing is on your mind is the kingdom of God. That's the last thing you think about. And Satan is cool with that because now he can, he can do his thing. He can continue to try to attack and keep us mobilists, not moving in the direction God wants us to move. One of the things we understand about this story is that God is sovereign. Satan had to get permission to do what he wanted to do against Job. Satan does not have the authority to do whatever he wants to do in your life. Are you with me? Satan had to go to God. He had to get permission. Look at verse number 12. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power, but do not lay your hand on him. In other words, Satan couldn't do anything unless God allowed him to do it. Hence, that some of the trials that we're going through, the trials, the difficulties that we go through, God allows them sometimes. Oftentimes, he allows them because he's working out. See, this thing goes way beyond just our little trial. God is making your life a ministry. God is changing your character. God is making you a witness to somebody else. You never know how your life will impact somebody else's life. And so the, the thing that you're going through, you're thinking it's just for you. It's not just for you. You are a witness God is making your life a ministry to somebody else. And yes, you're being refined. Yes, you're being taught something. Yes, God is refining your character, but it goes way beyond just you. God always thinks globally. If you want to get on the precipice of what God is doing, think globally. Because that's the way God thinks. Think outside of yourselves. See, the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Watch this. He's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. 
but with the temptation, watch this now, will provide the way of escape. Well, why is he going to provide the way of escape? So that you can run away from it, get away from it, trial, duck and hide? No, watch this. So that you will be able to endure it. <laughs> God gives you the grace to endure. See, a lot of times what we're trying to do, got to get away from here. <laughs> I don't want to go through this. This is too hard for me. See, we live in a nation today where people want it easy. Nobody want to put in the hard work. I mean, it's hard work to reach the lost. It's hard. Ain't no question about it. It's hard to change people's lives. Hard. But God says that he's faithful, that the thing that you're going through, God will give you the grace to endure it. Why? Because you're going to come out better than when you went in. Glory to God. That's what trial does. It makes you better. Job lost everything. Look at this. Verse 13. Watch this. Now, I want you to see how Satan was in chapter 1. Are y'all with me? Take a look at it. Watch this now. Watch this. In verse number 13. Now, there was a day when the sons and the daughters were eating and drinking. This was his kids. Watch this. Drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. And indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, watch this. Another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking. Another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am alone have escaped to tell you, while he was still speaking. Another came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, his kids, watch this, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. Every one of his kids, dead. Ten of them, dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then, watch this. Talking about a mighty, here's why God said I can trust Job. Watch this. This is, this is good. If it ain't good to nobody else, it's good to me. Then, then, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he worshipped. <laughs> Woo! And he said, Naked I, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Whoa, you tell it. This, but think about it. I mean, we just, we just went through a situation where we just buried my wife's brother. And that was painful. Hard to deal with. Can you imagine that this brother lost his camels, his sheep? You know, those, that was his bank account. Those were his resources. In a moment of time, that's how the devil went. God gave the devil permission. See how bad Satan wanted him. That Satan went so quickly. I mean, he, he destroyed his resources. All, I mean, his servants killed them all. And then lastly, he killed all 10 of his kids. One would think, Wait a minute, did we just not read that this brother was blessed, righteous man? He's still a righteous man. He's still blessed, but he's not exempt from the trial. But Job's perspective was, which I love, and it baffles me. 
And I would only hope, and well, I, I, I pray none of this will ever happen to any of us. But boy, I just want the kind of faith that Job got. That he can say that whatever comes my way, I'm still going to bless God. Job fell down on his face and he worshiped. See, we need to learn to worship God when it's getting bad. Worship, see, the Bible says he that the weather's in his secret place will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's something about abiding in his presence when you find yourself in a difficult place. There's something about that. He that abides under the secret place. The secret place. Job, he got on his face. He lost his kids. He lost his whole family. He didn't have any money left. The brother's poor. He got nothing. Nothing. He gets on his face. He says, I'm going to worship you, God. He said, God, I'm going to give you praise. Though you slay me yet, God, I'm going to trust you. It doesn't matter, God, what happens, right? Because I want you to know, God, that, that, that I got you. Because, listen to me, all that I am is in you. If I got nothing else, I got God. You heard me say last week, teenagers, when everybody else let you down, one thing is constant. Jesus will always be right there to pick you up. People will chew you, put you in their mouth, they'll spit you out. They'll talk about you. They'll love you one minute. They'll hang you on the cross the next minute. But Jesus will always be there. And hear me well, no matter what you go through in life, know this, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, what about this sin I did yesterday? It doesn't matter. Confess it. Get on your horse and keep riding. Ain't no need to belabor what you did. Yeah, I did it. God, I'm sorry. Repent. Get back up in the thing and keep rolling in God. Don't worry about what you did yesterday. You can't go back and change yesterday. But my future, Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I press forward to the things which are before me. I, don't, I can't change anything that happened back there. I can't change it. But I, I can do something about my future. See, I got to walk in that. You can't. You can't. You can't do well. On the past, Job, he worshiped God. Can we praise him when it's going bad, church? And then, guess what? You think Satan's finished? Nah. He comes back for more. Look at chapter number two, verse number one. Look at this. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? Where have you been, Satan? Satan said, from going to and fro on the earth. He still, been, listen, Satan don't change his tactics, does he? He's still out there trying to wreak havoc with the people of God. He's, I can't stand him. I don't like him. He is dirty. Jesus says, Satan has no place in me. The Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. I am sick and tired of the devil destroying the things of God, the people of God. And it's about time that we, we get just angry about it. A righteous indignation. It says, I'm not going to stand by and let the devil just do this. Mm. Look at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God still pleased with Job because Job just passed the test, didn't he? Job didn't curse God. Watch this. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God, shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him with all the cause? 
So Satan answered the Lord, watch this. Satan said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he would give for his life. See, now, now the devil wants to attack his health. Stretch out your hand now and touch his bones and his flesh. And he will surely, then he will curse you. I bet you then, God, that he'll, he'll curse you then. I bet you, God, he'll curse you. Verse number seven. So Satan went out. So here's what the Lord said in verse six. The Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hands, but don't kill him. He still had to get permission from God. God says, go ahead. You can do it. I'm going to grant you permission to do this, but you can't kill him. But you can, you can turn the heat up a little bit. And verse eight, and he took for himself, watch it, no, in verse seven. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, struck Job with painful boils from one side of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a posture which, which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Watch this. Now watch this. Listen to this. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. And here's his wife. Now she's sitting there. She's watching this. She's watching Job. She knows Job just, all my babies died. All ten of them. Here it is. You're going to church every day. You're praying every day. Every time I turn around, you up reading this Bible. You're talking about the things of God. Every time I turn around, you're watching TV, you're watching something about the things of God. That's all you tend to think about. That's all you care about. But what has God done for us? But he's a, listen, everything has been destroyed. If your God is all who he said he was, then why did he take my babies? Why don't we have, we were rich one time. Now we don't even have any food in the refrigerator. All of our resources are gone. And now you're still sitting here. Now you're looking sickly. You can't even go out and find a job. Look at you, Job. Look at you. You can't even go, you can't even go doing an interview because you got boils all over your skin. You look terrible. You look bad. He said, she said, just curse God and just die. But like I said, but listen to me, when everybody else turned their back on you, <laughs> even his wife, because he had to go through it too, right? It ain't like Job was asking for all this. But now she had developed, but see, she represents a type of folk. Out there, believers, that when the pressure get turns up, when the, when the pressure is turned up in their lives, instead of walking with God, trusting God, saying, okay, God, I'm going to get through this, she represents a type of Christian that will say, look, I'm done. Finish. I've had just about all that I can have. I can't stomach anymore. Curse God and just die. But Job again said, look, woman, you, you know, in a very nice way, he said, you, 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 something wrong with you. <laughs> he, he, he's everything to me. I, I can't do that to God. I can't curse him and die. I can't do that. He said, you're a foolish woman. Job had developed a kind of faith in God. That it, didn't, it didn't matter. Now he's lost his resources, his children, his, his health now is gone. He's in a bad place. God had brought Job to a point now where he's stripped of everything. He got nothing left. What am I going to do now? Am I going to serve God? 
So Job goes through this period, if you read the rest of the book of Job. Job goes through a period a couple times where he just, he don't curse God. He never does that, but he starts wondering. He starts thinking to himself. Because how many know there's a human element to this thing? He's like, God, what are you doing? He's just having conversation along the way. Then he got three friends that come and try to console him. Well, some comforters they were because they were blaming him. They said, Job, you in the situation you're in now because you sin against God. And because God is at you, Job. Boy, you are bad. <laughs> they totally missed it. God was, let me ask you this question. Was God, did God not say that Job was a righteous man? Upright. Was not God bragging on Job? But look what God allowed to happen to Job. So Job, now he starts to ask a few questions. God, what's up? God, what's up? And it wasn't the fact that, that, that Job had lost his family, his resources, his health. Those were the main things. But you know what Job was frustrated about if you read the rest of that particular book? God wouldn't tell him why. God wouldn't talk to him. God, he's sitting there praying. How many have been praying? You've been trying to get some answers. You just can't get an answer. God, I mean, why? I mean, God, it's cool. I can deal with it. But can you, can you just tell me? Give me something. To hold. Give me just a little bit of something. I mean, my God, look at the shape that I'm in. God, just give me some revelation. Just give me a little. You don't even have to tell me the whole plan. Just give me something I can hang my head on, something I can say that, that, that makes some kind of sense of all of this. Job is finding himself in a place he just wants to know, what's up? What up? What up, God? What are you doing in my life? But look at chapter number 38. Fast forward. Watch this. And God's going to answer him. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Chapter 38, watch this, verse number one. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, <laughs> watch this, and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. God tell him, stand up, boy. Stand up, son, like a man. Talk to me. I will question you, and I want you, Job, to answer me. <laughs> Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? <laughs> Tell me if you can understand it. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. <laughs> or who stretched the line upon us? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in, who shut in the sea with doors? When it bursts forth, it issues from the womb. When I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said, this far you may come, but no further. And here you, your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? And called the dawn to know its place? In other words, Job. Since you know it all, I mean, you're now questioning God. You're questioning me. And look at verse number, watch, uh, uh, chapter number 40. Because God goes through a whole litany of things to kind of teach Job a couple things. Because how many know that no matter how righteous you are, there's still some stuff you can learn. There's still some things, there's another level that God was even taking Job to. As righteous as he was, how many know you never stop growing in God? But Job get this revelation, watch this. <laughs> 
Job said in verse number, chapter 40, verse 3, then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm vile. <laughs> what shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I've spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. But then the Lord continues to challenge Job. Now, what essentially was God saying to Job? Job, I got it. Job, your thoughts are not like my thoughts. Job, my ways are not like your ways. No matter what you're going through, Job, what you need to understand, Job, is I am still God Almighty. I know what is best for you. Be still and know that I am God. And what I take you through, I can bring you through it. I'm the same God that blessed you. I'm the same God that called you out. I'm the same God that gave you a name and a reputation. I'm the same God that blessed you with all of that. And Listen to me. And that has not changed. But I'm the same God that's allowing you to go through what you're going through. I am the Lord. I change not. And what God was saying to him, he's saying to us that, listen, God ain't going to spend a whole lot of time telling you why he's doing what he's doing. Because he's God. He answers to nobody but himself. Oh, that's hard to grasp, isn't it? But see, when you're God and you can create your own earth and heavens, you you can set your own rules the way you want it. Well, this is God's kingdom. This is his thing. He can do what he want to do with his. And so what what God tells us is that we got to trust him that no matter how difficult it is, even though Job was a righteous man, there was still another level that Job had to go to. See, God always operates in level. Watch this now. Stay with me on this. In your walk with God, you're always going to another level, potentially. Because if you never master the level that you're at, then you'll stay there. There are a lot of Christians that never go up the ladder. They'll stay right here because they get mad, they turn away, they get upset, they get offended, bam, I'm done, I'm done. You know, and and they never grow. They never do what God says, so they stay right here. But those that are willing to go through the hardship, go through the pain, go through the struggle, are willing to say, God, I'm going to do what you tell me to do even though it don't make sense to me, that is going to be the one that's going to go to another level. Job now is at a whole nother level. But watch this. The story doesn't end there. Because how many know that God will give you double for your trouble? For what God, listen to me, whenever God takes something from you, he's going to give you something better. Oh, you don't believe me? Look at 42. Look at chapter 42. We're closing. We're done. Look at chapter down to 42. Starting at verse number, four, uh, verse number 10. Chapter 42, verse number 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then, oh, verse 11, then all of his brothers, all of his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him. It's amazing how your friends come back. When everything was starting to get a little better for him, but God blessed him, restored him. Now all his friends coming back. You notice how people come and they go? See, when you're going through a desperate situation, you look around like, well, where they at? See, now all of a sudden, Job got money coming back. God's blessing him now. Everybody running up there to him. Yeah. Mm. See, nothing changed. Then all the verse 11, then all his brothers, all his sisters, all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon them. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now, the Lord blessed, good God, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Hallelujah. 
So the thing that we're going through, if you find yourself in a place of lack and struggle and difficulty, it's a setup. <laughs> God is setting you up to give you better. Job's latter days were better than his former days. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. The brother was rich. Got more money than he had before. In verse 14, and he called the name of the first Jemiah, the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Kirihakapak. I don't know how to get that. I, this, is, this is the best I can do with it. In verse 15, and in all the land were found no women. Watch this. In all the land there were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And, and this Job lived, after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children's grandchildren for four generations. So Job, so Job died old and full of days. Job came out better than what he was before. So what you're going through today is a setup. It's going to be better. So if God takes something from you, it's because he got something better for you. He said the whole time God was setting Job up to bring him to another level. And Job had more at his latter than he did in his former. So guess what? You're about to be blessed. You see? What you're going through is a setup. It's a setup. Let's bow your heads. Father, Jesus, we thank you, Father, for the life and the ministry of Job. God, how you brought Job through it all. Good God Almighty, we bless your name this morning. Father, we pray, Father, that you would continually, oh God, just, just pour fresh insight and revelation. God, there's so much revelation in this story. But God, I pray that as we're going through, many of us are going through it on different levels. But Lord, help us to remember, God, that you are in control of this day. And that, Lord, that you're going to bless us better than what we were before. God, there's a new dimension of grace that is coming our way. And, Father, we posture ourselves and say, give it to us. We want to receive all the fullness of what you're doing in our lives. And so, Father, we thank you this morning. We bless your name. Maybe you listened to this word this morning and you realize that you never given your name to the Lord, your life to the Lord. Holy Spirit is speaking. 